welcome to the New Money Review podcast. I'm Paul Amory, editor of New Money Review. Payments, how we transfer something of value from one person to another, are a complex subject. Because payments are not just about money, they're also about trust. Maybe we shouldn't worry about trust in payments so much. Some people say that the norm in human societies for thousands of years has been to leave some debts unpaid. Why? Because that creates a network of human obligations. And in turn, that gives us a glue for social groups to function. But payment technology now aims to serve billions of people, not just the few hundreds or thousands that we lived in historically as a human group. If we don't trust the person we're dealing with, or if we worry about trusting them, payment suddenly becomes something more difficult, something we start to think about. How does it work? To understand the infrastructures behind payments, we need to look at the technology involved. And that brings us to our guest today, Shamir Karkal. Shamir was trained as a physicist and computer scientist in India's tech hub, Bangalore. Then he moved into management consulting, and then about 10 years ago, he co-founded a digital bank. And that was long before digital banking became the huge growth area it is now. He's an angel investor in several fintech startups. One of them is TransferWise, one of the UK's fastest growing tech businesses. He's also now chief executive at a company called Sila, which provides tools for financial software developers. I knew from following him on Twitter that Shamir had recently been to a major global conference on fintech and payments, which is called Money 2020. So I started by asking him what his impressions had been. That's a good question. I was in Amsterdam for three days. Um, Money 2020 was uh, packed as always. Um, It felt like there was a lot of interest and excitement around um, around financial innovation in general. Uh, that's kind of always been the theme of Money 2020. Uh, but it's it's it 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 feels like even more so, right? Like it still feels like we are building uh, excitement and and energy behind that. Um, some of the other common themes. Um, well, there was a lot of interest in API platforms, sort of discussion around uh, PSD2 and sort of the the, uh, the ongoing impact of that. Um, there was uh, there was a lot of frustration about sort of the slow pace of change from a lot of people. Um, there's also it also felt like that there's just so like you know five years ago, even even three or four years ago, like if you were in Europe and you wanted to uh, build um, an innovative fintech, neobank, whatever, uh, your options were pretty much Wirecard or Wirecard, right? Uh, and now it's like, uh, well, you know, there's, there's so many, right? Like there's Rails Bank and Trezor and Banking Blocks and Solaris and of course Wirecard as well. Um, and so it just feels like the... The, the number of innovators, the amount of innovation, and the infrastructure for innovation is uh, is happening so rapidly. Uh, much more rapidly sometimes it feels than the U.S., right? Where uh, in the U.S., the pace of change now, I think, is, is slower than Europe. I'd like to ask you a bit to expand a bit more on your comments about uh, payments. I, I, I interviewed you on that topic uh, last year for New Money Review, and uh, you made the point that um, you know, the, the the banks, uh, the incumbents in the financial system have a very uh, big, um, uh, you know, they have a very protected position and it may, may take some time for innovators in payments to, to dislodge them. Um, is, do, you, do you get a sense that, that's, uh, that, um, that the, the innovators are starting to make 
you know, faster progress in doing so, or is it still uh, a case of chipping away slowly at the uh, the bank's position? Yeah, I think the the innovators are making more progress, um, and there's a lot more of them. And yet, in the grand scheme of things, you 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 wouldn't notice them anywhere, right? Like, um, I think. Uh, the the last numbers I saw was that global advertising as an industry is like a six hundred billion to maybe one trillion in revenues. Um, so that's the entire industry that like you know Google and Facebook and most of the large tech companies are going after. Um, then you have global payments, which itself is a one and a half to two trillion. So that alone is is twice the size of advertising, and financial services overall is like a fifteen trillion industry. Um, and so when you look at it from that scale and you talk about the, who so who dominates uh you know the financial services industry and it's definitely not you know stripe or square or even paypal right it's like 30000 banks globally and um and that is the uh you know from from that perspective uh you realize that the entire fintech industry doesn't even have like 1% market share and uh and and still probably has a very very long way to go um and and the, the, and that's kind of tends to be the story of innovation in some ways right when you have change happening uh, uh expo- at an exponential pace uh for a very very long time it looks like nothing is happening and then in a few short years everything changes <laughs> um and you're like what the hell right like what happened it was and, and it's a story of every startup right it's like um they worked for four years and then they were an overnight success <laughs> <laughs> and you're like, what happened in those first three and a half years? They were like, you know, they were they were steadily growing the business and probably doing like doubling or tripling every year. And then they got to a certain size and doubled again. And suddenly, wow, you know, now TransferWise is huge or Stripe is huge or Square is huge. And you're like, yeah, that's, that's they, they were growing at that pace for the last five years. It's just now that, you know, they're big enough that people notice them. Uh, I think just given the scale of, of, finance globally, we still have probably another 10 years of exponential growth. And then (laughs) people will wake up and be like, oh, wow, this world is nothing like the world of 2010. So, so, I mean, looking forward 10 or 20 years, is it possible to to describe what that new financial services market might look like in terms of either consumer experience or things being done very differently to now how, how could we imagine that uh, future world um so i, I it, it's hard to say right like it's so uh it's, it's kind of like um this figuring out how to the how it would look 10 years in the future but i mean we can we can think about a few things that are most likely to uh to, to still be around i think the world will be heavily mobile it already is it will be so much more so and so you know th- there won't be mobile apps and web apps and 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 offline banks all of it will be seamless and this whole distinction between like offline and online will will, will, will kind of go away and people will be like it's all part of one experience you might walk into a store and look at something and then walk out and as you walk down the street you you might buy it on your mobile phone and and you know the the store doesn't care <laughs> as long as you decide to buy it um and and i think those sorts of experiences will will get stitched together and payments will just become part of the experience and and uh and and so it 
it it it already is very much a utility it will become even more so uh what will also happen is that you know payments will get embedded into kind of every part of your life right so um whether it's your uh whether it's an alexa app that you know in uh, in the morning asks you hey you're you know you you drank a little bit more than you should have last night and then spent a little bit more at the at the pub and now we need to rearrange your finances today and and remanage it so that you can make your rent payment do you want to do x or do you want to do y and you think about it and say y and it's done right so those sorts of things that sound like um you know science fiction will become more and more ubiquitous and um and and th- th- there's this whole kind of like app revolution that's going on that will continue but more and more of the apps will start sort of working together so that they the data that that you know one ha- app has on you whether that's transaction data location data uh, some other type of data get get you know used by another app to help make a better decision um i think the the the, the world will become a lot more customer centric and uh, and a lot more about like uh creating amazing experiences because that's the only thing that people will pay for and um and more and more i think the power will will move from um sort of the sort of banks and fi's to people in fact i think like what will end up happening is what you see in like like amazon right uh, large marketplaces like amazon or facebook have a tremendous amount of power um and they bring huge value to their to their users and then a lot of like the sellers on amazon marketplace or the advertisers on facebook they just struggle <laughs> to get uh, you know they they end up paying a lot of money to uh, facebook and maybe generating a lot of value to consumers but their business model gets gets squeezed a lot and i think that's what's going to end up happening uh, everywhere especially in financial services you mentioned payments becoming more user friendly more customer centric but also to some extent becoming uh, a utility to, to to what extent are the you know the the high valuations of a lot of the fintech firms uh, then justified we've got you mentioned stripe which has a 20 billion dollar plus uh, valuation mm-hmm. transfer wise which recent, recently raised money at a you know 3 3 and a half billion dollar valuation mm-hmm. there's some of the some of the multiples of uh, of of uh, revenues are, are quite striking is is this uh, is is there an anomaly here or do you think these valuations are justified um so i mean i i don't know man <laughs> uh but what i do know and I, at least i can tell you what the thesis is of the people who are making the valuations um and the point is that the you look at somebody like a stripe or a transferwise or any of them actually um and you're like the 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 it's very rare i think that like you know in in any sort of situation stripe ends up competing with a square or with a transferwise for example right um, although all of them it seem like large payments companies the niches that they occupy are all quite different and so it's, it's again like if you're a customer of you can very easily be a customer of stripe square stripe and transferwise and and have no problems and and logically use each of them at what they're best for and and not have to pick between them <laughs> um and and that could continue for a while and that just goes to the size of the industry right like i don't know what what stripes revenue is but let's assume it's like a billion dollars you're like wow that's so huge and uh you know they're, they're like you're like yeah that's a that's a billion dollars in an industry which makes one and a half trillion or two trillion in revenue 
So you're like, how much further could they go? And the answer is they could probably grow revenue 100x from here. Um, right. And uh, and you're like, yeah, but, but where is that going to come from? And it's not coming from Square or TransferWise or even from PayPal. Honestly, it's coming from 30,000 banks globally. Uh, and, and, and in fact, in online e-commerce, it's coming from a lot of offline transactions and overall growth in, the, in, in GDP globally. Um, so it's a lot of it is cash replacement at the end of the day. And, um, and so the, um, you know, the, 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 these companies can grow another 100x um, and actually see their uh, margins fall significantly and still be more profitable and much larger, right? Um, they're all definitely still growth stories um, and uh, kind of the, 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 the they're so much further away than than like Uber is, right? Like if you look at Uber and you're like, how much more can Uber grow? And, and you got to believe that there aren't that many continents left <laughs> for Uber to take over. Uh, you look at Stripe and you're like, just in the US alone, they could probably grow another 10x uh, in the next right. 10 years and then globally even more. So the, 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 the you know, e-commerce share of retail is just 10% in the US and online sales as percentage of total. And that's even less in other parts of the world. So the, the secular growth story is what is driving the valuations of these companies. Now, will all of them get there? Will all of them continue to grow at these rates and and keep uh, figuring out uh, how to uh, make their business models work? I I don't know, right? Uh, but it's definitely not impossible. Uh, and the other thing that also happens is that payments companies and, and you know there's differences in the the business model of each of them, but in general, payments tends to be a very scalable business. Stripe, um, I don't know, three years ago, four years ago, probably had like 500 employees. And was probably doing, let's say, hundred million in revenue, right? Um, and now they're like, I don't know, fifteen hundred employees, and they're probably doing a billion in revenue. And and that's the thing, right? Like as they grow, their employee base grows, and their costs grow by whatever, twenty percent, thirty percent, and their uh, revenue grows by hundred percent. And that's just the the scalability of of uh, payments businesses, I mean, it's inherent to payments. Um, so that means that, you know, they they can afford, like, I mean, look at TransferWise, right? They they keep, uh, they, they, they keep reducing their prices and still growing and are profitable. <laughs> um, so I think there's, there's a, that, that seems impossible, but in payments, yeah, the scalability enables lots of things. So um, yeah, no, I, I'm still bullish on the whole sector. And you mentioned um, so still plenty of scope for for growth. I mean, you mentioned that um, uh, payments are going to be will be becoming more seamless. We may be managing our finances by talking to uh, our Alexa or some other some other apps. If we could contrast the seamlessness of the payment experience with what's going on at the settlement level, where things are still quite clunky there are lots of different uh, national settlement systems uh, that don't really uh, form a seamless global whole how 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 big a, a challenge is that for the for the the technology uh which is is developing it, it does this does, does the the kind of um clunkiness of the settlement aspect uh, present a problem or even a risk that things might uh, go wrong at some some stage well so the, the, the a large part of the value that these infrastructure providers like TransferWise or Stripe or Square or Adyen or any of them bring 
is kind of hiding that clunkiness, right? Like uh, if a if a developer to process an international payment has to figure out how to uh, work with cards in the US, uh, SEPA in Europe, uh, faster pay in the UK, and you know six other payment systems. This is going to take like years, right? Um, the thing is. Stripe and Transferwise and the others, they've all figured out how to do that. And they hide all that clunkiness behind a beautiful, well-documented, easy-to-use API. Um, and that's what allows the, 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 their customers, who are developers after all, uh, to, get, you know, to sort of build new and innovative experiences and do it by just saying, hey, I'm going to just move money from here to there. And, and I don't understand cards or ACH or any of the other unli- underlying payment systems. Stripe will make it happen, right? Um, and if and that is the power of the infrastructure providers. And that's why they're valuable. And um, the, the in a way, the kind of the, the clunkiness, the disjointedness, all the problems of the, the, the traditional settlement systems are the barriers to entry into the business of these, uh, you know, these developing giants is that it's, it takes a long time to figure it out. But once you do, it's a big uh, advantage you have over the next competitor. <laughs> um, so I think the, the it would be nice to see global payment systems being built uh, by sort of international consensus, which were state of the art and and deployed across multiple geographies at the same time. I'm like, we don't even see that happening in the US, leave alone internationally. Um, and that's the promise of blockchain and, and sort of the, di- the different blockchain technologies. Uh, but those are still very early as well. So I don't know. I think the settlement systems will get better and the world will get more interconnected. Uh, but the, that happening is, isn't even like a, five or 10 years, that could be like a 50-year journey. Um, but at the same time, a lot of the need will be met by providers like, you know, Stripe, Square, uh, Transferwise, Amazon, Adyen, and probably a dozen others, including Scylla, by the way. That's what we do as well. Um, yeah. And so that by creating that kind of um, one API platform to rule them all, uh, we build a huge amount of value for customers. So you're saying that the fintech firms have worked out how to connect these systems um, and, and to do so in a in a way that's uh, more efficient and cheaper than than the way the banks have traditionally been doing it, or the or they've been able to cut through the the costs that the banks have traditionally charged for for linking these systems together. Yeah, completely. I mean, this is what Transferwise does, right? You can make a payment from the UK to Germany today. And that payment will probably get done in 30 seconds or less. Cost you, I mean, I don't know what the exact rate is, but it's probably going to cost you like, you know, uh, 10 pounds for a $1,000 transfer. And that's a very transparent price, right? And you're like, how would I do this with my bank? Well, does your bank have an app? Once you find the app, can you find the money transfer feature within it? Once you find that, do you have any transparency on what the pricing is? And then how quickly will it happen? You know, it, it'll, it'll, it'll be quicker to download the TransferWise app, sign up for it, and make the transfer happen than figuring out how to use your existing bank app. 
um and and that's that's the power of a, somebody like a transfer guys um is is that uh is that ability on the back end to stitch together all those payment systems but then on the front end to build a really beautiful consumer experience right um of course stripe on the other hand is not in the consumer experience business they're they're a platform and so they just build the api platform and build a beautiful developer experience so that their developers can then build the consumer experiences is is there, I mean, what prospects do the banks have of, uh, of of fighting back? I mean, you've you've worked at a bank in the past. Can they can they make a comeback against the the, the more nimble uh, fintech firms in this area? Uh, some of them, I think, BBVA, uh, maybe a few others globally will be able to do it. Um, and they struggle with their internal compliance and legal and risk and strategic direction and and all of it, just like any other big bank does. But I think uh, that the ones who will win uh, have a sort of steely determination that they will change their cultures, they will change their business models, and they will kind of... Uh, uh, compete in the brave new world no matter what right uh, and it, it's it's almost like a i don't know it's almost like a self-flagellation exercise uh, to be like you know we uh, no matter how good we do we always compare ourselves to like amazon or stripe in which case you you any bank in the world is like shit right um and so then you you keep trying to do better but that's a that's a rarity. I mean, there's still a lot of bankers out there who think that um, they, you know, the the world isn't really going to change that much, you know. And that's the thing: the pace of change on a day to day basis feels slow for a very long time until it feels very fast, very sudden. Right? That's the nature of exponential uh, curves. And so, I think, you know, out of those thirty thousand banks globally that control that fifteen trillion. Pie, and it's not just banks, right? It's like wealth managers and investment banks and all, and all you know, insurance. And I think the, the whole sector will come down to a few hundred um, in a decade or two. Of the traditional ones, and probably a few large platforms, plus a few thousand to a few million apps. That's the point. Like from a consumer perspective, you're like, hey, if I had. You know, it, it feels like you're sitting on a, uh, you know, in in downtown New York, and there's like six bran- bank branches within a ten minute walk, and you're like, oh, I have a lot of choice. You're like, no, I don't want to walk ten minutes. I want to open up my mobile phone and have five hundred apps on it that I can choose. That's 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 more choice. <laughs> so the, the the end result will probably end up being more co- uh, consumer choice, better outcomes for consumers, and um, you know, if a few big banks end up going bust in the process, ah, too bad. What do you think of uh, Facebook's rumored new global coin project? We've we've heard, you know, through various leaks in the media over the last few months, a bit more about what they might be planning to do. Mm. I mean, I heard, uh, I saw a comment on on Hacker Noon that they're going to announce it next week. Like, that'd be interesting. Uh, but uh, it feels, I mean, it feels tremendously validating because, in a way, what they're building is is like the Facebook version of Scylla. Right, they're building uh, a stable coin. That they, you know, it's a custodial stable coin, so they hold reserves. Uh, and the only question then is, like, what are you actually going to use it for? They're going to probably use it to facilitate payments on like WhatsApp and Facebook Messenger and a bunch of their, uh, you know, their properties, right? Which have tremendous scale. Uh, this is very similar to what we're doing at Scylla, except that what we're doing is building an API platform uh, for innovators to build and ship their apps and get them to market quicker, right? And um, and, and I, 
I don't have the luxury of of turning on payments for a billion WhatsApp users. <laughs> um, so that only Facebook has that. Uh, I expect if if that's kind of what they end up launching, almost anything that Facebook launches will be you know massively successful just because they get distribution into the massive Facebook user base. Um, but you know, in this business, the, the getting to a million or 10 million or even 100 million users isn't really the, the the end game. The question is, can you really build a platform that the entire world will sign up to? Um, and I think at that level, I think Facebook might struggle a little bit. Uh, it has some serious trust issues. Uh, I mean, I, I deleted my Facebook account <laughs> um, years ago now. And, um, and you know, I, I think there's a, there's a lot of people who trust Facebook less and less. Um, and especially when it comes to money, I think uh, the trust uh, factor is, is, is hugely important. And it's probably going to end up being like um, regional. In, in Myanmar, uh, people don't really use the internet. They use Facebook. And, and a lot of people don't realize that there is a difference, right? They go buy a mobile phone. The guy who sells them the phone signs them up for some email address, opens a Facebook account, logs them into Facebook, and hands them the phone. And that's all they use, <laughs> right? So the, first, so then yes. the internet is Facebook. Uh, and so the in, in places like that, I could very much see, you know, Libra or Global Coin or whatever Facebook calls it becoming hugely successful. In the U.S., in India, in China, in Europe, not sure. Your comments about Myanmar um, brings me on to another question that I want to ask you. I mean, you, you, we, there's a perhaps a fragmentation of the internet uh, taking place, and and what uh, some people have called a, uh, a new cold war between uh, China and the U.S. in in technology, um, which, with uh, recent news stories about uh, U.S. Uh, threats against Huawei and uh, potential embargoes. What do you think the potential impact of such a technological cold war might be on payments and financial services more broadly? Um, I, I do, I do kind of sort of broadly subscribe to that worldview, which is a depressing worldview. <laughs> uh, but you can't ignore reality, which is that you know that the post Cold War era of like the nineties and the two thousands feels like it's coming to an end and we might be going into a new cold war era which as you said us and china um and it feels like this will this war is the war of the platforms at least on the fintech payments financial services side and you have large uh, chinese private companies but with pretty uh, explicit or tacit government approval like you know WePay or uh, or alibaba building massive platforms and uh, you know everybody in in china seems to use WePay to pay for everything right uh, so that that's kind of the chinese model uh, the us model is much more of like platforms like facebook and amazon um, and google and uh, they don't have nearly the same kind of payments and financial services uh they don't they don't have there's there's nothing like ant financial in the in the us for example uh but they do want to build them um as well and i think the if history is any guide then the 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 this cold war will not be fought in the us or in china just like the previous one it will be fought everywhere else right uh, yeah. in asia in africa in latin america maybe even in europe but but you know 
uh, that's where it will be fought and it will be fought between the platforms i think um and uh, and and really for kind of like the uh, which vision of the future will succeed um and just like the last time around you know uh, in when the last cold war was being fought india tried uh, pretty heroically to to kind of be the uh, to to not be aligned with either side and and created this thing called the non aligned movement which which is still around i don't know well, maybe they'll re- re- uh, resuscitate it now <laughs> uh, but which was like hey we're not going to be pro us or pro ussr uh, in the, sa- the same time around india is now building a third way uh, which is not uh, not the us model of having no infrastructure nor is it the chinese model of having private infrastructure but actually building some state of the art infrastructure um, as a public good and saying hey the, the 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 ones who should control the the infrastructure are really the the government and they should set the rules for how the uh, how the different parties can play on it and it shouldn't be we pay and and facebook doing it right um you you're referring to the india's uh, digital identity system and uh, and the so the payment systems that that go with that exactly i mean the whole india stack starting from like aadhaar and going to upi which is the fastest growing payment system ever in the history of mankind um but uh, also there's there's a lot more that's coming on that uh, there's whole like uh, data architectures to to enable uh, you know customer consent um and and the, all of that i think is is i mean it's it's already proven in india and it's already kind of like working for hundreds of millions of people i mean upi is now doing 800 million transactions a month right uh, and it's not even 3 years since it launched um so the but the question is which of these three models will really take off and i suspect much of it will be like the previous cold war and it will be political and 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 there won't be any real winner for a while uh, there are some some um technologies or networks that you know clearly aim to uh, function on a global scale i'm thinking of cryptocurrencies like bitcoin or or ethereum um uh, what what do you see as the prospects for those networks i'm, I'm not 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 price forecast but uh, in, in terms of the technology over the next uh, decade or so oh i think the i find like blockchain technology extremely exciting because it's a it's it, it kind of speaks to a lot of things that i believe in right like transparency um global reach uh, open access at the same time none of these platforms scale uh, anywhere close to what is uh, sort of needed to to really power global payments um, and there they have lots of sort of usability issues the tooling for developers around all of them isn't isn't great um the ethereum is probably the best and even there there's a bunch of gaps all the others are so much further behind um so there's a long way to go before the blockchains get there uh but i i do like to believe that they will get there and that eventually you know if, if there is one global payment system i hope nobody owns it i hope nobody controls it and i hope it's uh open access and blockchain based shami thank you very much for your time it's been a very interesting chat thank you paul always a pleasure chatting with you <laughs>